So we're going to break our normal two-week cycle because this, unfortunately, was not a normal week. You may have heard um, our friend Kyle Dempster and his partner Scott Adamson went missing on the Ogre 2. And after days of bad weather, friends and family, with incredible help from the Pakistani government, were able to conduct a search but found no trace of the two climbers. Two years ago, Kyle and his mom, Terry, created this episode that you'll hear today for us. We thought we'd release a slightly different version, this one we prepped for the Third Coast Radio Festival. Um, There is... A lot to say right now. Um, I've been thinking a lot about Terry in the last few weeks. Kyle's parents, Terry and Tom. Tom passed away a year and a half ago. Uh, I didn't know them super well, but they made an impact on me when I met them, and and Becca feels the same way. There are stories of bike touring and backpacking with Kyle and his sister Molly. They left an imprint on us when we were young parents, when when Tep was just born, and we've we kind of looked at them as role models and we strive to be like them as parents and because you know we saw that they'd done it and maybe we could too um parenting it is not easy and the relationship that kyle had with his parents it's something that one day i hope um i can have with tep and wiley too so i'm thinking of you terry and i've always loved this episode yeah it's somber but there's also something beautiful in here this conversation between a mom and a son is just brave. There's no other word for it. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Terry. I told her I wanted to go solo a big wall in Pakistan by myself. I mean, what is that like for a mother to hear? I got throttled. <laughs> this is Kyle Dempster. It was 2008. Kyle just graduated from college when he found a photograph of the massive granite pyramid, Tahu Ratam. The jagged peak comes to a sharp point 4,400 feet above the floor of the glacier below. Think Chicago's 108-story Sears Tower stacked on top of itself three times. Except the summit sits at 21,820 feet above sea level and it's buried so deep within the Karakoram Mountains of northern Pakistan that it takes six days just to hike to base camp. ...who have gotten it ready for us Amazing. over the last they three weeks. there with the propane stoves, kicking up a storm, and then they bring it up to our dining tent. To be clear, this is not Everest base camp. The pictures of a city of tents equipped with Wi-Fi? Get that image out of your head. This mountain range is not the Himalaya. No lines of people trudging up fields of snow with guides, porters, and fixed line banisters. This isn't a tourist industry. These mountains are remote spears of rock that protrude violently into an unreliable sky. A very small percentage of alpine climbers ever climb in the Karakoram, and an even smaller fraction of those people would consider climbing there by themselves. Kyle hired a group of porters to help him lug his equipment to base camp. From that point on, he was alone. He spent the next few weeks ferrying food and equipment across eight miles of glacier, from base camp to the base of the climb. Then he started up the vertical rock. Behind him, he dragged a giant bag with 20 days worth of food and a satellite phone. He slept on a portal edge, a half-cot, half-tent that he could secure to the side of the wall. He made it through one relatively uneventful week of climbing before the first storm rolled in. 
as Kyle hunkered down in his hanging ledge to wait it out at about 20,000 feet, he quickly realized that he should have brought more food. Oh, Tahu Ratam. The person Kyle used the sat phone to call? His mom, Terry. I mean, I wish I had a recording of his voice because he sounded weaker and weaker and weaker with each phone call. Kyle called his mom a handful of times on that trip, but they both remember one conversation in particular. On the way in, Kyle had carried his gear across the glacier to the base of the climb in tennis shoes. The ground had been that dry. With that first storm, that changed. (laughs) You know, the whole month, I'm looking down at this glacier and I can see how white it's getting. And I was like, Kyle, what are you going to do? You need to get down off that mountain and get across the glacier. And he's like, Mom, it's raining down there, which was a total lie. (laughs) Kyle did not get down off that mountain. He sat stubbornly in his ledge, first through a four-day storm, then through intermittent storms over the next week and a half. He ate only enough to manage stomach pain. On days that the snow let up enough for him to climb, he allowed himself a thousand calories. And then, after 21 days on the wall, the weather cleared. Kyle scarfed all the food he could afford, one energy bar, two goo packets, and some tang, and began his push for the summit. He could see the top, 500 feet above him, when he noticed the gray clouds moving toward him and felt the first snowflakes on his face. Another storm was coming. Fast. The mountain range had grown dark and his headlamp had started to die. Exhausted, dehydrated, and malnourished, Kyle knew he had to turn around. I came back down, I ate the last of my food, and started off on what I'd hoped to be a two-day return to my base camp, but ended up being four days uh, where I did not eat. It was like thigh-deep snow for the eight miles back to base camp. The tip of Kyle's left ring finger lost feeling and turned white. Hypothermic, starving, and exhausted, he started to hear voices. He hallucinated that the porters had come to find him, that a friend was offering him a cup of coffee in the Utah desert. I just, I remember finally getting to the small village of Hispar and meeting up with the Jeep that was going to take me even further down to the Karakoram Highway and just sitting down on that Jeep with the feeling of, holy shit, I survived. getting off the plane in Salt Lake City and just breathing the air and being home. And I remember I walked down the terminal, turned right, and saw my mom and dad standing at the end of their hallway there just outside security, and my mom just bawling in tears the second that she saw me. 
Oh, he looked like um, death warmed over. He. I was probably about 40 pounds pounds under my typical weight. Um, His eyes were sunken. uh, With a heavily Um, blackened finger from frostbite. His finger looked um, awful. Hadn't shaved Um, in about three months. Cut my hair. He was gaunt. uh, Yeah, just deep dirt. Deep filth and deep fatigue. I remember real quickly going from while I'm home, this feels great, to holy shit, what did I do to my mom? (laughs) And that's that was the first time that I saw how truly how difficult it is for for mothers. What do you say about your mom? I love her. I love her. I live with her. <laughs> um, yep, that's right. 30 years old. Live with your mom. Um, I feel like we're really close. He has always told me a lot of things growing up that I don't think I would have shared with my parents. I always strive to be honest, especially with family. When Kyle told me this, I asked him about the phone call on Tahu Ratum. The one when he told his mom it wasn't snowing on the glacier as he watched it turn more and more white. Well, mothers are far more intuitive than we give them credit for. So regardless of if I told her or not, I think she knew. I know she knew. A week later, I got an email from Kyle. He said he felt horrible about lying to his mom and wanted a chance to explain himself. Yeah, so that didn't that didn't really sit right in in my belly. And I guess I've thought a little bit about why. And I think that in that particular case, she could hear in my voice the struggle that I was going through. And, you know, while I was concerned about the snow, I didn't feel like I needed to pass that along onto her because she was already, you know, worried enough. So much of these trips that I go on begin far before just saying, all right, mom, you know, well, (laughs) thanks for the lift to the airport. I'll see you in a couple months. You know, like it's December, January. And so we're like talking about summer plans already. And she knows that because she overhears phone conversations or, you know, me looking at photographs of big mountains or applying for grants and that's funny because I am always sort of trying to listen to see what's coming up. She'll ask, like, what are, what are you planning this time? You know, and that's when this multiple month long discussion about about the country I'm going to and about what type of climbing I'm going to be doing and, you know, how risky it is and <laughs> everything um, that begins. Kyle means it when he says discussion. He opted out of climbs because his mom had bad feelings about them. In 2013, news came in of an attack on a group of climbers in the Himalaya by Pakistani terrorists. 40 hours before our flight was supposed to leave to Pakistan. I mean, bags packed. My mom said, 
this is not the year to go. So we canceled the trip. Uh, to me, it feels like my ability to do that is kind of me expressing to them like, hey, I love you and I value your opinion more than these mountains that I try and go climb. So thank you. And this family knows, knows about life and death and climbing. Kyle was in middle school when his cousin, Drew, introduced him to climbing. We went to this area in Salt Lake, top roped on an old seat belt from a Jeep Cherokee that Drew had ripped out. <laughs> and uh, I was hooked. Initially, I remember dropping him off at the climbing gym and feeling relatively safe with that. Um, you know, I made him take lessons at Recreation. It progressed to big walls. And then now, of course, he's doing high alpine climbing. Kyle was 22 when he told his mom that he and Drew were going to fly to the Canadian Arctic, to Baffin Island, a polar bear-ridden island of snow and ice, to an area so remote that they would have to get towed in 100 miles behind a snowmobile or dog team. There, he and Drew wanted to climb a 2,400-foot rock face that no one had ever climbed before. I remember when Kyle first started talking about going to Baffin Island, and I remember when he told me that Drew was going, and I sort of had a sense of peace, knowing that he would be with someone that he knew and loved, and also that I could share that with my sister, and, you know, we could commiserate or sort of help each other through the time they were going to be up there. Kyle and Drew made it to the top of the climb. They snapped the summit photo. Kyle had a coconut bra and a grass hula skirt, and Drew wore a Viking hat. Then they started their descent. On the morning of the last day, Drew was headed down the ropes and made a mistake and uh, repelled off the end of the rope and fell about 900 feet. I remember I was actually at a coffee shop in a drive-in lane and I got a call from my sister and it was the middle of the day and she was supposed to be at work and I thought, well, that's weird. So I answered the phone and she said, Drew's dead. And I remember my heart stopped and it's like I couldn't get a breath. And the next second she said but Kyle's okay and then it was like I was able to breathe again but then I was like I felt so guilty because my son was coming home and hers wasn't You know, I, there's times that I think, oh, what would it be like if he was married with two children going to a nine to five job? But I know that's not Kyle. And, 
You know, it's an interest. It's interesting being a mom to an adventurer. It seems to define who Kyle is. You can see in his personality when he's here, and he hasn't been to Asia. You know, it's been a long time. He starts. It's sort of like he's in a box and he needs to get out of that box. Why he has that personality, I don't know. Um, I know as a child, maybe it was partly our fault, we would lock the TV from Sunday night till Friday and wouldn't let them watch TV after school. We made them do their homework and then go outside and play. Um, from an early childhood, you know, we would stick them on our backs and backpack with them. We would have Kyle on the in the trailer as a baby, pulling him behind us on our tandem bicycle. And so we introduced him to the outdoors. And now at times I wish we had just let him watch TV. <laughs> All right, Mom, let's do this interview. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, let's do it. Um, and I guess to start off, my first question is, what would you say is the most difficult part of having me as your child? The most difficult part? Probably the week leading up to having to say goodbye to you as you leave on a trip, wanting to spend a lot of time with you that week, wanting to take your picture, and thinking, is this the last hug I'm going to get? Maybe you and I would have the same recommendation to, you know, from my, my standpoint to the climbers out there and from your standpoint to the mothers of those climbers out there to like talk about the worst case scenario. Don't pretend that it doesn't exist. Express the love that you have for each other and also the insurance that in the event of worst case scenario, life will go on. I mean, I, yeah, I... I feel very fortunate that we have had the death talk and it plays in my mind each time you leave and I think how would I ever get through that? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I can't I can't think of a more selfless expression than to understand that and still be supportive of these trips. Well, so that's awesome. I realize that climbing is who you are. You know, while her support for these trips at times is very difficult, she still provides it. And isn't that kind of the best thing that you could hope from your parents? I mean, doesn't that begin at childhood? Like when you watch a child roaming around the playground, exploring the monkey bar or something for the first time, 
they sort of have this apprehension about it, right? And as a child, they can kind of look back over to their mom that's maybe nearby or you know sitting on a park bench, and she offers that reassurance to the child, like, go for it, go for it, I'll be here. I have to say that I just love Kyle to death, even though maybe he's cut a few years off my life with worry. Um, I'm very proud of who he's become and wouldn't want him to change. I hope to be able to support him for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm.